0: Hey everybody, Siggy here. Uh, We're foregoing the usual uh, jaunty theme music because the theme in uh, America is not that. Uh, It's a strange time to be uh, in uh, this country. Strange time to be witnessing everything that's going on. Um, We are recording this about a, oh gosh, two weeks after the murder of George Floyd Saturday, um, June
1: 6th, 2020
0: by a, uh, police officer, Officer Chauvin, uh, kneeling on his neck for almost nine minutes and three other officers not stopping him from doing that. And since then, well, we've all been watching the, uh, uh, amazing, um, spectacle of, uh, protests throughout the country, sometimes violent, mostly peaceful, often met with the kind of police brutality that they're exactly protesting against protests against uh, racism, the pervasive uh, stain of racism and white supremacy in this country and its effects on uh, one population um, in particular. And it's just been a lot to digest and process and think about, and I just thought we would talk about it here and Since this is a movie podcast, we thought maybe we could just to try to get a foothold into this conversation, not being um experts or scholars or even people who with much lived experience, I think with uh, a lot of what people are protesting against, maybe we could just talk about like all of the tremendous amounts of shocking um, or maybe inspiring or troubling or something else uh, footage that's been happening uh, that's been recorded and that we're watching of all this so uh wait i'm gonna let you talk at some point in this podcast i'm sorry for i'm
1: i'm fine i'm still in a (laughs) state where i'm not sure what i will say will be very uh, enlightening, or well, I, I, you know, I don't think we're in a position to instruct anyone.
0: Um, I don't think I no. am.
1: We're, it's interesting that we're 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 a podcast of two white men in our forties, um, and and what we are advocating for is, but our our duty now mainly is to listen. But yet, we're the only two top people talking here, so <laughs> so we're gonna have to going to have to do some talking.
0: Um, Yeah. So, uh, so wait, like how much of this stuff are you watching? Like how much are you, how, how are you, you know, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, you've been um, highly quarantined in, you know, you live in high density, very high density living in Los Angeles area. Uh, You've been very uh, careful to Mm -hmm. keep quarantined. Like you're not able to, to get out and, and do this stuff. Uh, Like, how are you engaging with this?
1: Well, I'm not engaging with this in the way that I would like to. Um, And I'd like to say if this wasn't happening during the pandemic, I would be down there too. Being a father and I'm not, I'm not sure. Honestly, I probably am talking myself up too much. I probably wouldn't be uh, as much as I feel that I should, but though I'm in full support of it the i'm taking all this in both too much and too little like like i spent most of this past weekend really unable about 4 days over that whole weekend just unable really to do anything um except kind of scroll through the news wait waiting to hear something that was what i've been doing this whole pandemic i've been waiting to hear I keep looking at the news every day, exhausting myself and and, and worrying myself, waiting to hear that something, some good is going to come out of this, like something, some comeuppance for the people who are at fault here and not hearing it. What has been encouraging, though I worry for their safety being out in the, uh, I mean, not all of them are, in my situation where we have some health compromises that we just can't risk going yeah. out. Um, so I've not been outside of my apartment in three months just because it's not... I don't I don't want to bring a fatality to my home just because I had to have a cheeseburger. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's not something that I feel like I'm going to go, oh, well, you know, I just had to have it. So, yeah, you know, was just the risk you have to take. No, it isn't. So it may be over-precautionary, but it's not something I... Uh, Want to take the risk for? We were going to go out last weekend. We were going to go out at like six a.m. in the morning and go uh, to the park, have my son play some basketball. But then, well, uh, didn't time out well. Um, but to back to your question, you know, this last—I saw a couple of videos recently, uh, and, and Colbert had, sh- had shared most of them, where I was yet again reminded of that I have, um, I was yet again reminded of my white yeah. privilege. And that wasn't news to me. I mean, like, I know I have it. I know it's real. And I the, the thing, the argument I'd like to put forth to people who don't believe it's a thing is one of empathy. I understand why they're mad. I understand that they're like, they're looking at their double wide that they can't, and, and their past due, bills and the harassment they get for being poor and they're going how is this white privilege but then you go okay well imagine what you have and then make it a thousand times harder to get that and that every moment is one of threat just because you of the color of your skin And the history that that all implies of guilt and um, institutional and uh, passed on hatred. And it's like, that's not something you're having to deal with on top of what you're dealing with. There was a fantastic um, Twitter thread by Julius Goat, at Julius Goat, I think, during the Charlottesville... (sighs) Um, tragedy, where they were showing the people marching with tiki torches, and there were people going, "Well, you know, there, there is an economic oppression too that you have to consider." So they're not, you know, they they're coming. They have a legitimate grievance about that. And then he was going, "Look, no, what, you, what you're talking about is adversity. That's not oppression. Yeah. That's adversity. And everyone has adversity. Now imagine having adversity." and oppression so this weekend um or the past couple days i've been seeing the the videos of (laughs) in a terrible way it reminds me of that joke i shouldn't say this it reminds me of that joke about the guy at the bar who looks like hitler and he's like i've come back from the dead to kill four million jews and three Uh... geese and you wonder why the three geese and that's the, the punchline there being that you are awful for being concerned about the geese yeah. and not the four million jews this but is this is the, my favorite the joke i'll admit <laughs> because of what it does it is to you psychologically. i i didn't really want to tell it yeah. i know i didn't really want to tell the joke right now so i killed it but it is a it's, brilliantly conceived yeah. joke uh written joke and but so I feel a little bit like that when I say something that made me realize just like well, as if the beatings and the killings, the racially motivated beatings and killings weren't the bigger sign, but something that really, really got me was surprisingly the, the pictures of the police destroying the, the medical supplies in the medical tent for the, I think it was Nashville. Uh, for that the, the, the protest had set up for a, a medical tent, that they destroyed that. And then these other cops, I think in New York... I, I'm terrible. I should be giving better it's facts. True. It's There's a lot to uh, keep track of. Them, of. Like, there's a lot. Uh, like them stomping the protesters, like they had all these water bottles, cases of water to keep hydrated, but they're stomping them and knifing these water bottles. And you're like... So, so you're... I mean, granted, that that's not as bad as actually beating and killing people, but... but- that is blatantly like we want to hurt you. It's just, it's just spiteful. We want. To, I mean, I, I, I mean I, at some point,
0: like it's spiteful. That's it's, not a police. It's vindictive. That's not police doing their job.
1: That's police saying fuck. Exactly. You. Yeah, and the point, the the thing that I I guess the, the I put the cart before the horse in my argument was that whenever they beat down someone and they get called on it or caught, they spin some BS like oh you. Um, they were, they were acting threatening. Or this wasn't a peaceful protest like they say it was. It was actually very violent. Or the officer was afraid for his life. Yeah, They were being belligerent, so we had to take action. This, those, those. so you can always spin it. You, and you can't, and those are things you're like, what? The water bottles were being belligerent, so you were knifing them? No. You were trying to hurt. You were trying to give the middle finger. You were trying to, you can't spin that. And granted, you can't really spin beating someone that effectively i mean that for viciously either but it's just a little it's just naked you know and i think that's i would imagine and i i can't speak to it but i would imagine the brutality right now isn't any worse than it has been for decades
0: it's just that we're all carrying
1: granted they devices
0: have, with us to record it yeah and we've gotten into the habit right. of knowing that and, this is what we should be doing right
1: right exactly and but now granted they have a great enabler enabler in the white house that isn't just like quietly suggesting uh peace but then writing and implying racism in all their policy this guy's just out and out endorsing it and 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 fueling that fire and telling people it's okay to go and hurt people i want you to rough
0: them up a little bit i mean you said that it that that was on the campaign trail that he was yeah
1: and and you know and and that's the thing when 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 i get i still get into conversations with people when they and i shouldn't but they say you know you're just mad that your guy didn't win you're just mad that clinton didn't win you know we were mad when obama won we got over it all this stuff predates trump i mean this isn't yeah yeah exactly but i'm like this isn't about my guy losing. This is about what I knew was going to happen based on Trump's character. The, Trump's not. This isn't. This, this, this is, all
0: happens before Trump. I mean, this isn't.
1: Oh yeah, no, totally. I'm just talking about they yeah. the, the ramp, the the thing. So I don't think this. You're, I mean, you're right. That's that's against my own point of I don't think this is any worse than it has been throughout the past. But you're right. It's all being taped and 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 thing and 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 we've seen so many fucknut politicians just like. Say something and then we show them the tape that contradicts exactly what they said and then they still contradict it but now and so we've all been enraged by all that and now when we see stuff like this you can't you can't spin it i mean when you see like you know you can't spend nine minutes on someone's neck for no reason really that we can see right just like a a cold-blooded
0: slow motion execution I and mean, it was a lynching. It was a, it was a ground lynching, yeah. right? It totally was a cop kneeling on someone's neck and slowly killing them as people are recording him. He knows people are recording him. I mean,
1: yeah, he knows things, people are recording. That's him. The thing about and no one really people
0: pose totally for photographs to... with the bodies, right? Like he was, he's, he's nailing there with yeah. his hands in his pockets, knowing he's being recorded,
1: could not give less of a fuck. He's got three other people leaning leaning on it too. That well, that's the thing. Two. It's the other
0: three. Like, are the are the yeah? I hate to say it, but that's the real problem. It's 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 the it's the culture of protection. You know, like we always hear this right. bullshit line: "It's just a few bad apples." First of all, what's the rest of that expression? <laughs> right. What do, what does one bad apple do? it spoils right? the bunch but it's yeah. like uh, the the whole culture protects the bad apples
1: like yeah.
0: relentlessly aggressively relentlessly aggressively protects the you know uh, protects the bad apples so the whole bunch is is has, has turned rotten
1: yeah i i, I really like seth myers uh, comment about this isn't an apple problem this is an orchard problem if you went to an orchard and you, you said, the orchard, the guy who ran the orchard said, okay, now I just want to know that we got a few bad apples here. And I go, well, how bad? He's like, kill you bad. Like, this is a fucking <laughs> terrible orchard. Kill you bad. Uh, and this, is, this is a terrible orchard if you have that. Right. Uh, uh, Again, the one I, I really liked what John Baptiste on uh, Late Show said was that in a weird way, this was all very hopeful because this shows that we could very well be on the precipice of some meaningful change. As as hard as, as as awful as this is right now, something could actually happen. Now, I know we've been through a lot of these things and nothing has happened.
0: But there's nothing, there's never been a, a movement as sustained as this.
1: I right. mean we haven't seen anything and also, like this. Not even as diverse as this. Not too. even not, the uh, not... Iraq
0: invasion like those those protests like this this generation like has their shit together so much more than ours did. Oh, so you know? much more. You're never going to be able to influence foreign policy the way you can domestic policy. I just think that's kind of like built into the system, but they're also just like it's more sustained, it's happening in more places, it's more organized. Yeah. It's angrier, justifiably. Uh, So it's very different character, though, because the when we were protesting against the Iraq war, I mean, I saw cops doing bullshit, dickish, intimidating stuff in Chicago. Yeah. You know, taking people's signs away for no reason. You were down there trying to to block me from from joining the, the protest. But we weren't protesting against those cops. Right. Right. So we were protesting against something else, and it's just like, "Hey guys, just like get out of my way so I can protest who I'm protesting against," right? But like, right. in 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 these scenes, you, you keep seeing these scenes of these protests, like the the cops who are trying to control the protesters, they're the subject of the protest, right? Yeah, and so it's like a very different kind of chemistry in these situations where it's like the protesters are directly confronting the police sometimes like very angrily and like throwing things at them setting fires to police stations i mean that happened uh but sometimes mm-hmm. like getting down to their knees and like begging the police to get down and kneel with them like show us solidarity you should be on our side on this like you right. should be against police brutality as much as us because it makes you look bad it makes it it makes you harder for you to do your job because we don't trust you. Like it if, creates a yeah, culture, exactly. it creates a culture where it's impossible for you to police without, and now you have to militarize in order to control us.
1: Like because we don't trust you and, and and that puts you more at
0: risk. Yeah. And, and so like g- deal with us. I was just watching a video of this in DC, like yeah. begging the police to kneel with them and of you know, and, but then you see scene after scene of like these cops like being like, you're going to protest against me. Fuck you! Your media trying to cover this? Fuck you! You're lying on your stomach with your badge above your head. Here's a little spray of pepper in the face, just as a fuck you. You know, it's like how dare you stand up to us? It's like this, this, this. There's this rage element that you just see over and over again. That's just like it's too deep in the culture. It's too deep in the culture. Yeah. And then the there's the ones who react that way, and then there's the ones who cover them up. Can I tell my like really limp, weak-ass story? Sure. It, it involves you indirectly. It was like 15 years ago where we took a trip up to Door County, Wisconsin. Remember? We got that cabin
1: up there. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: On the way. That was a, that was a really nice time. That was That was a great time. On the way to go pick you guys up, Seymour and I were driving up Ridge Avenue in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? It, 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 I don't. It tried to ruin my mood for the whole trip. Uh, we're driving up Ridge Avenue, which is like one of the uh, diagonal, it's one of the few non-grid streets on the north side where we can <laughs> like make some time going north-south. Um, and it's two lanes. At this point, there's a a, a a Chevy Nova with a nasty paint job or like non paint job, and it's going like 15 miles per hour up Ridge Avenue. Speed limit is like 40, I think, at least 35.
1: Something like that, 35, 40, yeah.
0: Definitely, definitely not 15, right? It's no. it's crawling up the road, and it's like, well. It's it's like a no brainer. I'm I'm passing. There's nobody coming the other way. Like it's wide open, the the center line is broken, so I pass the Nova, and I can still picture the face of the driver when he sees he's being passed. He looks at me and it's like, flies into a fucking rage, right? Like yeah, like animal, animal reaction floors it so that I can't pass him like guns it. Right. I honk my horn cause I'm like, you're fucking endangering me as a driver right, right now. Right? Like I was doing a legal pass lights. Come on. It was an unmarked car. So I hit the brakes. I didn't even try to pass like when cause he's matching my speed. I honk the horn. I, I hit the brakes to go back behind him. Lights come on once he's in front of me. And then he waves me around to get in front of him and pull over.
1: Oh my God. And I'm like,
0: what the fuck? And so right. I, I, he waves me in front, I go in front. I, I pull over to the side and I'm sitting there and it's like a long few minutes before anybody gets out of the car and approaches us. And we're like, Seymour and I like, did you see that guy? I'm like, yeah, he like flew into a rage. Like how, how dare you pass me? Didn't matter that he was going mm-hmm. 15. Did he not know he was going 15? Like whatever. Uh, it's like why what like how dare right. i like it was a assault on his masculinity or his authority for something to just mm-hmm. pass him like what the hell and so we're sitting there and it's like a long time we're like they're trying to figure out what to say because they they know they fucked up <laughs> right what are they even they're gonna they say? To us? yeah and so the partner cuts out and she's are, are they uniformed? Yeah, they're uniformed. It's okay. weird. They're in an unmarked car, but they're uniformed. I have no
1: idea what's going on. They might have been off duty. That happened to us once. I'll tell that later. But they
0: had they had lights in the car. It was an unmarked. It was, it was like you know yeah. the one where uh, it's not like they put the light on like the old detective movies, like French Connect oh, or something. Okay. It was like there was a built-in rack.
1: Oh, there was a built-in in, oh, the, okay. in the
0: back seat. A Chevy Nova oh I see yeah it was like an old Nova it was like an old beat-up it was like uh, running scared it was like the it really was and the partner comes up and she goes right on the attack she's like what are you doing driving left of center Wow and I'm like I was passing it's a broken yellow line long pause license and registration Like she thought she was gonna intimidate me like right off the bat and like scare me into what? I don't know. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like what would she like get me to cry and then tell me I could go or I, you know, I don't know what the game plan was, but it was to go on the attack. It was to intimidate immediately, you know? So she takes my license and registration. No, at first she starts, do you know the rules of the road? That's what she says, first words. First, wow. like, do you know the rules of the road? And I'm like, Yes. I've taken driving courses. What were you doing driving the lesson center? Blah blah. License registration, I hand it over. And then it felt like we were sitting there for like ten minutes, right? It's like they're trying mm-hmm. to figure out what to write us up for.
1: Like they don't Or just deliberately wasting your time to make. It yeah. bad.
0: Like they 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 have to figure out something they can come up with. So she comes back, hands me two tickets as uh, doesn't even say anything. has me two tickets and license registration. Says drive safe, or I don't know what the fuck she said. And then I look at the tickets, and one was attempting to pass within 250 feet of an intersection. I'm like, that what? Like, you you prolonged the pass by flooring it as I was trying to pass you. <laughs> and then two was illegal use of horn, <laughs> and I was like. What?
1: Wow.
0: Like that is some weak shit. Like that's all you have. Yeah. You know? And like the the, the driver never got out of the car. Like she well, was, was she was covering for him,
1: right? Yeah, she was totally covering for him. And it was just humiliating and uh and infuriating. And that both of you had to participate in this ruse because he was an asshole. Yeah. And she had to
0: cover for him. And that's, that's the culture. And so, you yeah. know, to my shame when I showed up at court, because I'm like, I was going to like make my case to the judge, like what an asshole he was acting like. I was going to try to use different words. And then I get there <laughs> and I realized, like, I didn't bring any – I'm an idiot. I wasn't prepared. I didn't, like, bring any evidence. I couldn't even say, like, where – like the address that I was pulled over in front of. Like, I did, I wasn't ready to contest, like, the – within 250 feet. I just had my story. Uh, I didn't bring Seymour with me to corroborate the story. Like it was stupid, right? Like I was kind of hoping they just wouldn't show up and I'd, I'd get off that way. But the partner shows up and the, and the guy driving isn't the one who showed up. They read the charges. The judge rolled his eyes and said, uh, I'm going to toss out the legal use of horn $25 and it's off your record. And I said, if you plead guilty. And I said, I plead guilty. Fuck. <laughs> like, right. The judge knew it was bullshit, you know? Yeah. But here's the thing, like, so part of this is a story about like just the culture that we're seeing over and over again in the, in the George Floyd video in all these protest videos, the, the Buffalo officers, uh, pushing over shoving the old man and like knocking him out cold. On the sidewalk,
1: uh, immediate bleeding from the ears, like yeah, skull fracture. Like this guy's immediate. Hurt.
0: Like this guy's down the count. Another cop is gonna stop and check on him, and, and then they don't. What the cop behind him say uh. is leave him, and push him on. Like it's just right. just like it's this, this insular culture
1: of protection and like. It's not to protect and serve yourself. That's why there's. Right. That's why we respect the police is because they're not. They're to protect and serve themselves. They're to protect and serve us. But they do. That's what they do. They protect themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They protect themselves and they don't protect us. And that's the, that's the, yeah. But my story is
0: also a story of of white privilege because like in all of that, it was humiliating and infuriating, but I never for a second thought I was in physical danger.
1: And you thought you could go to the judge and call them out on it. I did. You know, I had you, this you, you, fantasy that it I could work, go and do that. You know, but get, you none know, of that would have been.
0: Yeah, I never. You know, I never had to grow up being terrified of being pulled over by the police.
1: You know, right? Exactly. I mean, and if the police did something wrong, you're like, well, I'm going to go say something about that.
0: If I, if we were, <laughs> if, if I was, if I was a black man driving that car. Am I being asked? To, w- am I being ordered to get out of the car? Like, yeah, it, absolutely did things escalate like from me, just even talking back, like, you know, like absolutely. Who knows
1: where that, what happens. Absolutely. It would have escalated. <sighs> it's just, it's the culture. It's a culture that needs to be dismantled. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to generalize because I mean, in a way I, I you know, I, I we I do believe we need a police force, but I certainly believe that we could certainly use less of a police force. Especially yeah. when majority of of the police force was staffed to enforce drug offenses, which in the in most states is no longer a crime. So if we if we def- if we decriminalize like marijuana for, uh, federally, and then we're not sending as many people to jail, we're not sent feeding the industrialized prison system. Yeah, we're not spending our tax dollars. <sighs> We're not. We're reducing stress on the populace for fear of being arrested. We're reducing stress on the police force for fear of entering into um, dangerous risk situations. I, I, I think you know. Right now, we're having, um, we're actually having a national conversation about defunding the police department. Something that would never would have happened. It's actually. And I think two years ago. It's
0: Supposed to happen in Los Angeles.
1: It did. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know. You know. And I, and I've heard talked to a couple people who aren't. Totally on board with that, which uh, you know, you <laughs> know, I'm I think it's a great thing. I mean, they said what 280 million dollars was going to be re- out, re- cut from the budget and then invested in communities of color, in education, and healing, and business structuring, and, and all that stuff, which is great. And 100 to 150 million of that cut was going to come from the police department, and I'm like, yeah. Now there is the idea that you know if you cut salaries, then you're going to get more agitation, blah blah blah. And so if it comes from the right places, but also the police have been asked to do a bunch of stuff that they shouldn't be doing. They they shouldn't be like taking care of the mentally ill, in no, think that shouldn't be there.
0: And frankly, I think um, we need better therapy for certainly for police who've been in violent encounters. I mean, yeah. you know, we're we're putting these people through PTSD. I believe, and then putting them right back on the streets and expecting them to function in high-stress situations,
1: right? And be and being completely enabled when they flip out. Yeah, like there was there was a video of a cop that uh, pushed down a protester and then a female cop came over and chewed his ass out and shoved him across a car. It was pretty great, but I I, I still think you might see that more often. Yeah, but I—that's—I've only seen one, one, just one. And there was a terrifying video of a person not resisting an rest and just doing everything as just standing there. And one cop who's had a crazy amount of of complaints against him just fucking completely just wails on him for like he was getting every bit of anger he ever had in his life out on him. Yeah, and you you sit there and you go. um, can, cops should, and I watched his partner go, like, oh, he shouldn't be doing that. Oh, he shouldn't be, and just kind of standing there, like, uh, 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 what do I do? And I'm like, you tase his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Can t- cops tase other cops? They should. He's committing a crime. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> tase his ass. We should see more of that. But they're partners, so they have this bond, and fuck, you know, that's, that's the culture that needs to stop. And, 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 you know, if if they also change the laws to make it to where cops are more accountable to their uh, um, abuses of power, to where they're um, more, um, they can be prosecuted for that, because it's very hard to do that now in a lot of situations. If they can make it to where it's more easily prosecutable and, and, and suitable and more, more accountable to their act, abuses of power... I fucking hate it when I hear people say, well, it's going to discourage people from joining the police force. It's like, well, it's going to discourage people who want to go in and bust some heads. (laughs) You know, that in a way, you weed out those people then, and then you get people who are willing to be accountable for their actions because they want to serve. And that's the kind of person you want as a policeman, someone who... Once, who who will accept being accountable to their actions? I, you know, I
0: I I've been thinking about this. I I would like uh, a police officer to be held to the same standard as uh, like a retail clerk. <laughs> you know, it's like, as someone I can't have at you jump. A, yes, he was
1: shoplifting, but I can't have you beating their ass on the. Uh, I just can't have you doing that.
0: Yeah, like you know. To some level, I, I, I think a police officer needs to be trained in customer service. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like it shouldn't be okay to just like act like an asshole all the time, and right. not, and not give a shit who you're pissing off. Like, yeah, okay, like it makes you feel great to be intimidating, and I'm definitely there are parts of your job where that's going to be a useful skill to be intimidating but like when you're dealing with me or you know just like joe schmo like going about their life or or uh exercising their right to assembly and protesting and maybe even protesting right. against your police department like suck it up like you know if if i have to if i'm working at jc Penney's and i have an angry customer who i'm not the one who helped them the first time and now they're back because they're making their return and they didn't like the, the way they were treated in their first purchase. I just got to deal with that shit. I got to suck right. it. I got to suck it up and act like a professional. Right. Making 10, 25 an hour if I'm lucky, you know, with no pension.
1: If I leapt over the counter and pushed a 75 year old man to where he cracked his skull. Uh, I wouldn't be at Penney any longer.
0: Yeah, no shit. Uh, yes their job is. And then dangerous, Ice Ice Cube
1: Ice Cube it. tweeted Ice Cube tweeted uh you know, is it fifty seven police officers just quit on their city because the person people that pushed a seventy five year old man down were suspended. And you know and granted they just left the riot team. They it weren't didn't, actually they didn't actually quit. Yes. What the <laughs> fuck is
0: that? Like Can I just resign from certain parts of my job description? Can I just? I. How do? Can I do that? I'm resigning
1: from the data entry portion of my job in protest.
0: Yeah.
1: How how the hell can you do that? (laughs) Uh, And then there's the the whole. I mean, what is kind of baked into this whole Donald Trump, William Barr all this bullshit um is the you know the calling in of extra supplemental police force in DC that involved ICE FBI the US police force that um kind of, kind of an offshoot of of old old CIA program and um and then the riot guards from the Bureau of Prisons yeah Trump's little like paramilitary secret police right and then have them be without insignia. I mean, honestly, seriously, even though they're in riot gear, if they don't have the insignia and a protester harms or kills them, how were they to really have known who they were representing?
0: Well, that's like the Brianna Taylor thing. They don't identify themselves, exercising a no-knock warrant. Yeah. Bust in your door. You know, the the same people who would uh, defend the stand your ground laws and uh, Second Amendment freedoms would also say, well, Brianna Taylor got what she deserved or, you know, they shouldn't have been doing X, Y and Z. Okay, which is it? Like if someone comes into your door, are you allowed to defend your home or not? Does that depend on the color (laughs) of your skin? Right. Of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, you know, how this is this this is applicable here. It's a little bit seems like a little bit of a tangent, but there's a there's an Aziz Ansari joke that I love so much. I think he opened with one of his albums with saying, um, "If you're against gay marriage, um, you hate gay people." I mean, that's just all there is to it. It's not um, because you can't. The law says you can't kill them or punch them, so this is a way you can hurt them. Right. And he goes, and I I wouldn't I I can't say. That I wouldn't act the same way if I wasn't in the same situation, like say, if you came up to me and said, "Hey Aziz, do you think that guys who wear tight t-shirts and get bottle service in nightclubs should they have property rights?" And I'll say, "No, <laughs> put those guys," and then I'd quote some Bible verse to where it so it seemed like it didn't come purely from a place of hate, right? And and that is such a that is such that is such a, a, a great look at the human, how the human mind works.
0: Exactly. It's like you and, do an end around, if you can't confront your own racism, you like do an end around and you right? like try to b- find a backdoor way to still feel it. <laughs> it's like the yeah, people who think, like will say, well, I'm not, they, you know, they know it's bad to be racist. They know it's bad yes. to be called a racist, but they, they've got to display that Confederate battle flag, even though they live in Michigan. And have all their lives. Yeah. <laughs> right? And they're going to attach yeah. it to the bed of their pickup uh, when the, the Black Lives Matter protest is in town because they're displaying you know, their love of history.
1: Hey, I love the Dukes of Hazzard, but when my mother sent my son a bunch of my little Hot Wheels and the Dukes of Hazzard car was on there, I scratched off the Confederate flag off the top of the Good for General you. Lee because I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't have you I can't have you doing that I'm sorry, now granted if my uncles are listening, they'll be very disappointed well, <laughs> well not because of the confederacy side, but just because of heritage in general, but they that's the whole thing um, I love my uncles dearly, but I was saddened to hear that one of them was genuinely like, really depressed when they found out that one of our ancestors fought for the north <laughs> It was like, oh. so yeah, my son likes orange car, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fine with that. Come on, let's have Bo and, Bo and Luke uh,
0: take a ride in the general.
1: <laughs> it's named after that old Buster Keaton. Yes, right. Have fun, even still. Wait, nope, eh, well, <laughs> it's named after that insurance company. That's what it's for. And
0: the cart, the horn just goes doo
1: do do. The way they handled, the way they handled in the, the remake, which I, I never really fully saw, but I was curious how they were going to handle having the Confederate flag on the top of the General Lee in the Dukes of Hazard like reboot with Johnny Knoxville and uh, Sean that's William that's Scott. Something. How they handled it was they went through like an auto body type place and it was put on by accident. Really? That's how they handled it, I think. <laughs> and, and then they still just drove around with it. And uh, that, that is a perfect analogy for the... Chicken well, shit. it's not our fault, but we're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> uh, uh, that's
0: some chicken shit writing right there.
1: <laughs> I'll say.
0: Oh, my God. Um, uh, oh, by the way, Levi... Longtime listener yeah. and friend of the podcast. Uh, that's, that's your daily quota. You're off the hook, buddy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. You know, um, just to, just to, I guess, to tie it into our, our lineage of, of episodes, uh, I remember I've been thinking a lot about how we were talking about the cell phone in Get Out. About how the camera flash on the cell phone would trigger the, the break down the the process that kept uh, that kept the the two personalities inside the head. Yeah, way too and how up. At, yeah. yeah, and how when I was um, when we were first watching it, we were I, I thought well, you know, if there's a flaw, there's kind of it's kind of a pretty convenient thing that it's something that's in everybody's pocket. You know, I guess they they had to do that, but. You know it seems a little easy and then seymour i think right was the one that yeah had the analysis that was so brilliant was well the camera phone is really what has changed kind of all this yeah kind of new taking it more seriously the police brutality the systemic police brutality and and i and, and when when you told me that i was like this movie has just jumped to even more brilliance i didn't think it was possible yeah
0: <laughs> That, right the, to, to jump the up phone, there to go the phone camera has done what the newsreels uh of the dogs and fire hoses in the sixties did is it's it's shown us just how bad this is we we'd heard the stories we heard now it, we, but we were we you can
1: always talk yourself out of it, and then now you're like yeah. you can't talk yourself out of it, and you just there's just so much like it's, it's, just yeah there's so much of it yeah and I heard these stupid people going well this these riots they're not about. They're not about George Flynn anymore. And you're like, really? No, you're not. They're about Breonna Taylor. They're about Michael Brown. They're about. Right. um, They're uh, like I can. We can name so many people. And and how many more can't we name? And
0: then how many of these videos where you can see what happened and then you go back and you read the police report, (laughs) you know, and mm-hmm. it's it's a very it's a very different story the, about them police officer being scared and defending their lives. Here's the thing, like being scared uh, as justification for using lethal force is pretty convenient if you happen to have a racist view that black people are scary.
1: <laughs> That's, well, it, it should be incriminating, <laughs> not convenient. Right? Oh, he but was. But why is it he was that tall not and black, and therefore
0: I was afraid for my life? Like, mm-hmm. that's a pretty cooked up. That's a pretty nicely cooked up little piece of. Yeah. That's you know. Yeah, exactly. way to sustain
1: the supremacy, guys. Nice job. And you know, again, none of the none of the stuff is necessarily because we're of we're in enlightened times. Um, none of this awareness, because people have been making jokes about this forever, um, and yet still it's just persisted. Like I, I still. Like my favorite episode of Misery Science Theater in um, Mitchell has that, what I thought was a, I was so happy to hear it, where they, uh, where uh, uh, John Saxon has killed a Hispanic man in his house uh, just for fun. And then uh, uh, the cops come in and he goes, He grabbed one of my colts. I had to shoot him. So she had propped, the stage staged and planted. And then the, hey, buddy. How's the teeth brushing going? You know we're recording a show, <laughs> and and this is you know I I love you I love your presence but yeah that is one of the <laughs> louder toothbrushes I've ever heard. Yes, it's called a Sonic for a reason. Hey Dex, I love you. Good night, buddy. Good night. Um. Yeah, just the whole, uh, you know, he kills a Latino man and uh, plants a gun next to him, and the cops come in. And he's like, "I," he pulled a gun from my uh, collection. I had to shoot him. And then Crow pops in with, "Well, you're rich and white. I don't see a problem with it." <laughs> and it's like, I mean, you, that was in the '90s, but you know, '90s is still late. But you're like, not that long ago. But you're like, everyone knew. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone knew. But that, and that's that's what we get down to. We get down to the fact that everybody knew this was a problem. So why didn't we demand it? And I think a lot of um, does it really come down to the fact that they think, well, if we admit something is wrong, if we admit that we that there is a disparity between how we are treated versus how they are treated, does that mean that we are now we need to be punished now, and that you know that might be a very Christian thing because Christian. I okay, so I was listening. I hap, I was editing a, uh, a a a panel on on prison reform, and they were talking about how uh, punitive, um. Everything. Uh, um. How everything was fo- focused on 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 punitive measures rather than rehabilitation, mm. and the guy said, "Well, and it's it seems to be all, um, it seems to come from a very Christian place because you know Christianity is really just retribution in disguise, <laughs> uh, or, or, or or maybe I'm mixing up what he said, but basically he was making the implying that that there's a very Christian attitude that's baked into the prison system, prison reform system." Which is all based on retribution, rather than rehabilitation. And um, have I talked on this show before about Bow on the Go? Bow on the Go? I had to have. I believe. Doesn't sound familiar. There's a pre. There is a show intended for pre-K viewers called Bow on the Go. I believe it's a Canadian show. It. it I. I'd lay tons of money. On it being a Canadian show, would you? How many and toonies? How many? T- <laughs> how many toonies? How many toonies how would many you what? lay on it? Oh, uh, many, many toonies! Yeah. If I knew what that meant. Toonies. Um, uh, it's
0: Russian, a uh, Russian, Canadian, the Canadian two-dollar oh, coin. Oh, oh, oh,
1: okay, lots of two.
0: See, so a one-dollar coin is called a loony because it's a picture of a loon.
1: Oh, on it. I didn't know
0: that. And so then the two-dollar coin, it doesn't have a picture of. A tune, but it's affectionately called the Toonie. Oh,
1: I, I bet all the poutine in the world that um, it's a Canadian show. But it's translated into many languages, and you can find it on YouTube and some other platforms. But basically what it is, and I think we'd found it on Netflix originally, and then it was only on Amazon, and then it's kind of disappeared Um, And basically what the show is, is there's this girl in a little athletic outfit, and she lives in a castle with a little dragon named Desi. And then a wizard who's basically a man who wears a a Muslim-style headdress, but in a yellow tracksuit and um, white beard, is the wizard. And basically every episode, Bo is in her castle, and something's missing. Something has been taken. She can't find something, and of hers. And then she says, "We'll call the wizard." So, and it's it's basically a show to get peep kids active. So you have they tell the kids they have to run in place to bring the wizard about, kind of like clapping for Tinkerbell. Okay. You know, you have to run in place, get in your bow zone, little space where you can don't knock over anything, and run in place. And then the wizard will appear. And the wizard appears, and then said, looks into his crystal ball and goes, "Oh." the like you're missing your um your favorite boots well the silly stomper took them because the silly stomper is looking for a. he can't he's looking silly stomper is someone who's trying to find boots that make the right sound he likes and he can't find it oh you're missing all your beverages the drinking flink took it because the drinking flink just drinks everything or you can't find your favorite sweater Oh, well, the Nothing Fits Him took it. Nothing Fits Him is a creature who's always looking for something to wear, and he can't because nothing fits him. These creatures
0: are being like profiled based on
1: <laughs> stereotypes. I mean,
0: exactly. the silly stomper surely gets thirsty, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, I didn't consider that aspect of it. But um, so then the wizard says, you got to go through these levels, which are all like physical activity levels. you got to climb like a monkey or wiggle like a snake or do a lot of stuff, you know, in your bow zone to get to that person. And then when they get to that person, this is the critical part. They get to see the nothing fits him. And it's a room full of stolen clothes, just clothes as far as you can see. And the nothing fits him is standing in front of a mirror and trying on every clothes and nothing fits him. All right. Story of my life. Right. Or the drinking Flink is standing there and drinking everything and he's got all the juices of the world and all the water in the world and everything. And and so what happens is when on their quests, they usually are given an item that just happens to be exactly the thing that that person could use. Right. So when they're doing their challenges in the different stages of level of physical exercise, some character will say, hey, for doing this for us. Here's a hat that fits everybody. (laughs) And they're like, thanks. And they put it in their backpack and they walk away. Lady Galadriel. (laughs) Yeah. And then you walk in and you see the the thing. They're like, how are we going to get my favorite sweater away from him? And then Desi always goes, the hat that fits everybody. And then she goes, oh, right. And so they go out and they say, here, here's something that fits everybody. And they give it to the nothing fits him. And he's like, oh, it fits. And then everyone gets all their clothes back. And that's the end. For helping me, here's a square peg. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And so, and, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Every episode is like that. It never deviates from that formula. It's the same thing every time. But here's what is striking about it when you watch it. Um, Bo and Desi never seek to defeat the person that wronged them. They never try to attack them and defeat them. Uh. They never say they need to go to jail for stealing my stuff. They see someone with a problem and then they go, you know what? If I solve their problem, then I've solved my problem. They solve their problem and then they get their, they, then their problem is solved. And while there will be a ton of people who are like, well, he committed a crime, blah, 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 blah. You go, well, look at the big picture. Everything's better now. Yeah. For everyone. You know? And there was a, there was a, uh, I remember there was a thing during the Iraq, the Iraq war where, you know, we were spending, what, $100 billion a day or however it was, peacekeeping over there, police forcing. Yeah. And insurgents were coming on, were, 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 you know, killing soldiers, uh, Iraqi soldiers, anyone who was trying to work, civilians, everything. And someone came up with the idea where they said, well, you know what, everyone, they're all trying to figure out how do we keep the civilians from joining these terrorist groups or insurgent groups. And these guys were like, well, they're broke. There's no, they're broke. There's no power. There's no food. They can't feed their families. And then they got somebody saying, hey, there's someone to blame them. They're keeping it from you because you know what? We were. So he said, let me go in. It'll take $30 million to rebuild a factory. We invest $30 million to rebuild the factory. Get these people back to work. Get them a paycheck. The resentment goes away because they're able to feed themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we do that for Everly's factories and get them back to work. And guess what? People aren't going to be joining insurgent groups anymore because they have their needs met. Which is a little more well, of what we did in West Berlin and right. in Japan. And right? the Bush administration said no because we can't support competitors to U.S. industry. Yeah, <laughs> that's see. If
0: you find out what it's really
1: all about. But we will spend a hundred billion dollars a day we will spend all of our tax money on destruction and and, and a a because that fragile because that feeds american industry right exactly there you go so i mean you see the same thing here if 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 we you know the counterintuitive measure of defunding the police for more security when you actually start peeling that onion away you realize it it makes a lot of sense it really does and there's so so you know if you reduce the my my boss has a um uh, uh refrain he talk, talks a lot about our job environment where he's like the attitude here is always um the beatings will continue until the attitude improves mm-hmm. right and and really seriously how can you expect the attitude to improve You're you're really just going to get more resentment, more anger, more fight uh, if the people don't just give up and and succumb to death.
0: Yeah. And so and when they try to peacefully protest, don't turn it into a bullshit argument about the flag. You know,
1: right. Like maybe,
0: maybe, maybe listen, maybe, maybe give it a listen. Yeah, exactly
1: there needs to be a recognition recognition that when you say you need to follow the proper procedure, cause this was happened. I mean, I'm not going to compare my experience with my, uh, uh, work suspensions with, with racial injustice in the world, but you can certainly see inklings of like, like when they say, look, you got to follow the proper complaints procedure. You need to follow the proper protocols for these things. And then when you do, you are met with either resistance or complete disregard for that system for which they told me you needed to adhere to. And that's what's happening here, is that they're saying you need to follow our social contract, you need to play by the rules like everyone else, but then our authority figures aren't playing by those rules when it comes to you. Right, preserve the social order which keeps you on the bottom. And how, and, And yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you know, you've got you know people trying desperately to keep the economy afloat, and saying, "Yeah, everybody should sacrifice for this economy that never served them, that has never served them," and it's it's all it's all bullshit. And um, and to say that isn't unpatriotic. To say that isn't whining. To say that isn't. Um, no, if you um, love this uh, country, revolutionary, you
0: goddamn better, well, want to see it get better.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because honestly, it's not sustainable as we can clearly, you know, see. So, I mean, I mean, I hate that we're at a boiling point because it didn't have to get here. That's that's the part that makes you sad. But at the same time, this
0: is this this is that conversation about defunding the police would not be happening without this boiling over.
1: No, I mean, this is, this
0: is what it took. This is what it will take. It's going to have to keep going if it's actually going to do anything more than, you know, outlawing chokeholds in Denver. That's a great start. But it's just right. a
1: start. It's just a start. I mean, honestly, I, I sit there and I go, I can't believe this is happening during the pandemic. This is awful. And then you kind of realize if it wasn't happening during the pandemic and people had a lot of freaking time on their hands. Yeah then they could pay attention to it, you know, to pay attention. They they can pay attention to what matters as opposed to being just like, well, I can't get involved because I'm just, I got to earn that. I got to earn that paper, man. Yeah. And, and now we, you know, we can see that a, they don't care about us. They don't care about anyone. And this is utterly wrong. And I have something I can devote myself to now to actually do something good that needs to happen that has to happen that you know what um I, I mean i mean i mean that's the thing you you go okay so what happens if if you oh i was going to say this earlier people were uh, uh if people fear that we acknowledge there's a systemic in, uh, racism and injustice at at the foundation at the core not just a corruption after the fact at the core of all the all our police um, infrastructure then somehow we're like okay now I have to then I then have to be punished no you do have to atone I mean we should all atone together and not not you alone not white people all of us just all of us have to atone for this sin and then but what happens with that healing happens it's, yeah. it's almost a rebirth It's not a, it's not a prison sentence it's a rebirth
0: I think, and, uh, and, I think we need a process something like South Africa went through after apartheid with the truth and reconciliation or, you know, what, what Germany's done to, to turn the whole culture around, um, by acknowledging, you know, the sins of the Nazi regime. I mean, I think at some point you need to come to terms with it. I don't yeah. know, you know, hopefully, um, we're seeing like enough of a shift in the culture. Like if you look at the polling numbers, like 71% in in supporting the protests, uh, for the first time a majority of white people polled saying they believe black people are mistreated more and face more uh, uh, abuse by by police forces. I mean, I think there is a change in the
1: culture. Um, And I think that's one Donald Trump didn't expect.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I think, you know, and him pulling his dictator move, clearing out Lafayette Park so if he could act like he was holding a Bible that was burning his hand. <laughs> um, I think that backfired oh. on him uh, It exposed him for who he is for a lot of people. If, if you read the accounts of the people who uh, loved that and supported that, it's pretty pretty um, frightening mindset. I mean, I've been looking for the signs that like fascism with a capital F is, is doing more than just taking root in this country. And like, that was a big touch point there. And, um, and the, and the people who applauded that ridiculous move, uh, is definitely, uh, a sign of that. But I think I saw, um, I was listening to it. It's a great podcast. It's called flying coach. It's, um, it's uh Steve Kerr, an NBA coach, and Pete Carroll, an NFL coach, uh oh. talking'm oh, sorry what was that you would you would you would hate it <laughs> for the most part, but the last episode was all about this it was all about this right. stuff and they had, uh, I'm, uh, I'm
1: happy about anybody talking about this. Greg really.
0: Popovich, who's very outspoken nba uh nBA coach, but th- he made a great comparison is that uh, the culture around drunk driving like over the course of Like really, Mm. 20 years, like did a complete about face where it was, it went from being permissible or even you know somewhat common to have a few drinks and then drive home after a party to being uh, you being you're a pariah if you do it now, right? Like uh, we we really changed the culture on that, and it was you know it was mothers against drunk driving who did that. Yeah, and it was just a persistent, sustained effort. It you know it didn't take anything like what we're seeing now because it didn't force people to confront something about themselves the way that this does but it is i think it is possible i think it will really take a sustained sustained energy but i think we have it in the way that we've never seen before so that gives yeah. me hope
1: it does give me hope and like like you said before this generation like puts me to real shame because i i go uh you know we kind of were at this thing we're like god this is all so wrong but what are we gonna do we can't beat the system and then we try to just kind of search around and feel bad about it and then um these guys come in saying yeah that's wrong let's change it why why wouldn't we yeah. <laughs> We're like, what you and like we're the gen x people and gen y we're going like what you you can just do that <laughs> the man will never let us do it the man would never let us do that man <laughs> And, like, you know, it is really – it's inspiring and, and degrading. Yeah. Gen X kind of loved being the victim too much. And,
0: yeah. We uh, yeah. yeah. should have been Gen V. Yeah. And, uh, and these guys just aren't having it. So I love that. I love that. I love, to see I love it. that too. All right. Yeah. Let's go out on a high note. What do you say? Uh, any last words before we sign off on our almost – Completely footage free discussion uh, before we come back and talk about. They can hear us ramble on about Spider Man Far From Home.
1: <laughs> We're just doing this so that the Spider Man Far From Home episode doesn't seem in poor taste.
0: Yeah, that was going to drop on Monday, and it was like, no, that is not. And you also have uh,
1: Book Smart to look forward to. Yeah, and another one that we have to finish that half second half of. I know we got to do
0: uh, never going back.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, me too. And uh, I have some ideas for some stuff going forward too. So excellent. Uh, we got a lot of, of fun stuff looking up for you. Do you have a recommendation of just anything that you've been watching uh, during this whole quarantine slash uprising? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not the right word. No, I
0: was under uprising movie. if it's a good thing. <laughs> I was on a real yeah. movie binge for a while, and uh, now I'm just kind of rewatching a bunch of stuff with the the boys, primarily. We last night we watched Unbreakable, It's kind of mm. little uh, little edgy for them, a little mature. Uh, Ichabod sometimes uh, gets creeped out very easily, but they they said they were up for it, and they all liked it. But it was very different watching Unbreakable. Now I I tweeted. I really about
1: liked it. your post on this. Share this because Unbreakable is one of my favorite movies, and hearing your thing did not change my love of it, but also made me go, oh, that's fascinating.
0: Yeah, no, I, I still like it. I still think it really works as like the way I saw it the first time is a story of um, fulfilling your own potential, like pushing yourself to realize your own potential for the first mm-hmm. time and, and come to terms with uh, your resentment over not being able to do that, your resentment towards other people. Um, but the, watching it this time, it was like, it really struck me as a story of privilege where David Dunn, a white man, born with tremendous advantages, never puts any effort into anything. Like, the story of his life is that we just haven't seen him put effort into anything <laughs> his entire adult life.
1: Other than hiding, really, you know,
0: yeah. But yet yeah, he goes he through unscathed, like his defining <laughs> characteristic is there's not a scratch on him, <laughs> right? Whereas Elijah Price, uh, Mr. Glass is born with every disadvantage, can't even cross the street without fear for his own safety and has to mm. struggle for absolutely everything he achieves. Yeah. And it's like, it just felt like the story, I, I, I don't think it's about that in any conscious way at all. It's not like, that's not the tr- the trajectory of the story after that point, but like, uh, that, that that seemed it's like hard. the story of america writ small uh like it was just yeah. like printed in the following the themes of the movie is like such an uh, a deeply imprinted story in the culture that it it can't help but be imprinted on this story uh, about these would be superheroes, hero and villain
1: yeah anyway how about you i'd like to i'd like to plug a podcast that i've been very very I wait for every Friday. I'm like, come on, come on! Um, is the is uh, the stay at home stay at homekins podcast? <laughs> I didn't know he was doing another one. I should have checked. Yeah, he, this is uh, Paul F. Tompkins, comedian Paul F. Tompkins, and his wife Janie Haddad Tompkins are quarantining, and they're doing a once a week podcast talking about their um, their quarantine. Quar- they're talking about their quarantine experience, but but more they they've decided they everyone's gotten enough of the news they've said they 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 try to avoid and have been successful in avoiding any talk of politics any talk of quarantine any talk about that but just talking about something a diversion okay uh this last episode that posted friday um was is the very special episode that they just like we have to talk about they're doing what we're doing right now and in a way you know I, this the latest Colbert Late show and um, uh, thing I saw i I loved and I needed and almost didn't like that there were jokes in it. It's like, don't take out the jokes i I need you to talk about this yeah I appreciated it from their show too, just to hear other people talk about this in, in a real, very real way you know i I've, I've loved Paul F Tompkins for so long. He's one of my favorite comedians. I knew of Janie. I never really got to spend this much time with her in in entertainment form. Obviously, I'm not there in person. And now I'm in love with Janie Haddad Tompkins. And this is becoming a problem. It's gotten complicated. (laughs) I love them both. There's too much Tompkins love going on here. It needs to be curbed. It's a good thing they don't have children because then I'd be like, oh, damn it. I love that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I fully I highly recommend the Stay F. Homekins if, uh, podcast uh, if you want to hear just a bunch of charming people talk about, you know, stuff.
0: A bunch of two. <laughs> All right. Good recommendation. I'm uh, I'm not going to end with the joke on this one. If no, you- no joke. If you if you watch these um, the the footage of of people pleading for for the struggle to end and you don't want it to end for them you watched it wrong.